Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We are so grateful you have come to join us. We would love to invite you to one of our in-person services. To find out times, locations, and more about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. What's going on? We're going to jump straight into the Word here, so thank you, Adele. Appreciate that. I'm excited about the message today. Um, for those who are uh, partnering with us, but more than that, worshiping God and have that revelation of us trusting God as our provider, because He's the provider, amen? He provides for us everything, even on the days we, we don't feel like we have anything. Um, the fact we have breath in our lungs, that we, we are able to get up and be here today, God has provided something for us, and uh, we that's how God builds, um, is able to finance and resource the church. So tithes and offerings for those who are partnering with us. Of course, you never have to be a part of that. But for those who God has put on your heart to be a part of that, you can do that at the back of the room after service. There's envelopes in the seat pockets, Tively app, and giving at myc3church.ca. Brittany and I have committed ever since our marriage, but before that, that whatever we have, whatever we get given in, in our, our payment or if we're blessed or anything like that, the first portion of that goes to the Lord. And we've always found it so much better to be blessed with with the 90% of what we have than trying to hold on to that 100% of, um, of our thing and, and act like it's ours and we build our own little kingdom. Actually, it all comes from the Lord anyway. And He's always provided for us. It doesn't mean we don't have tough times. It doesn't mean things don't happen, but it realigns us where our trust goes, that it's not just to our, our paycheck, it's not just to the government, but it's to our Lord who provides for us. Hey, I'm going to jump into the Word today because I'm super excited, a little bit nervous and humbled to bring a word on power over principalities. We've been looking at it because of Easter service, but we have a brand new screen there with a visual that I feel is important for us to remember if we're followers of Christ today, or if you have never placed your faith in Jesus, today might be that day that when we do that and in Jesus, we actually have power over the enemy, over the kingdom of darkness, over anything that can come against us. And a part of the word today is that things do come against us. Let's not be naive to think that there isn't um, a spiritual forces and war at place around us and in our lives. If you need to, uh, a reminder of that, why don't you come for a walk with me this week in our city and you will find that there's areas of darkness and demonic activity trying to kill, steal, and destroy people. That's what the enemy does. I could take you to places in this city where there's people being trafficked. I can take you to places in the city where addiction runs rampant. These things are not from God. They're from the enemy. His heart's to kill, steal, and destroy, but God's is to give life and life abundantly. And that's what He has for us. So I want to kind of do some myth-busting today of some things that have been taught in the church or we've picked up that maybe the Word of God doesn't say. I'm going to share four times where I've been involved in deliverance of demonic activity, both in my own life as a couple, things that Brittany and I have walked through and in other people's worlds. But many of you guys would know, but maybe maybe you don't know this, that we shouldn't build a theology off an experience alone, but off the Word of God. So these stories that I share are real, they're true, 
Um, I do that because I, I, we don't ever want to give the impression that we don't go through things as the location pastors of this church because we're still people as well. We still have these things and we've gone through stuff that, that we'll share today. Um, but we should never build a theology off just a story, but off the Word of God. But our stories and our testimonies um, confirm what the Word of God has done. And we all have a story. We all have a story from this week. We all have a story from our life. And never diminish the story that you have. It's powerful. So we're going to look at that. One of these times that I'm going to share was getting to be a part here in the East Village a few years ago, or a couple years ago, um, Maybe it was a year ago. Who cares? But it was um, right here in the Phil and Seb's cafe over a cappuccino of seeing demonic activity manifest and get delivered right there in Phil and Seb's. The power of God can move. Another time is when Britt and I were going through some things um, health-wise in our life, and we actually went through a process of deliverance with an elderly couple of breaking off generational curses over our line that had been restricted to us. Another time, maybe some of you will remember, was in the early days of the church, uh, when we were gathering in Fort Calgary, where a demoniac came in and um, before and during and after service was causing all kinds of things. And the, another story of that is a moment just a few weeks ago where I felt a darkness come upon me, a demonic, and I had to go through a process guided by the Word and the Holy Spirit of self-deliverance right there in that office back there. The enemy is real. But we don't have to be scared because the victory has been won in Jesus. That's what we're looking at today. Let me pray as we start the message. Lord, we thank you your word's authoritative. And God, I thank you that it is not just another book, but it is the word of God. And today, maybe some of us have different views and differing things, but I pray and I know and I'm confident by your spirit that your word pierces through tradition. It pierces through our own experiences it, it breaks apart um, things that were being taught that maybe aren't true. It, it breaks apart even things where I miss word and don't articulate your word properly, God. So I pray that your word would speak to us today. The words of me would decrease if they're not of you, and that we would walk away today a little freer because we've heard your words and your words spoken to every person. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'm going to share all our scripture up front today, but I know you guys are the, the keen ones, the hungry ones. You're going to lean forward. We're going to share a few passages of scripture throughout Jesus's ministry from the book of Mark in the area of deliverance and power over principalities, and then we're going to revisit them. So for those who have their Bibles and want to go to heaven today, turn to Mark chapter 1, verse 21. We should take ourselves a little less seriously and take God very seriously. Amen. I think we've got to lighten up. Church is meant to be a place we can come and, and have a bit of fun, but we can also worship a holy God. And, and that those two things aren't separate from each other. So if it's your first time here, relax. You'll get used to the style, the expression, but uh, we really believe in the Word of God. So in Mark chapter 1, verse 21, Jesus here has called his disciples just prior to this, and he's about to step into his public ministry and We've seen in the other Gospels, uh, something takes place where Jesus' first miracle is turning water into wine. Weird one, hey? We shouldn't build a theology out of that one. But he's turned water into wine. But he makes this interesting statement where he says, in, in that passage in, in the book of Luke, um, he, he says, uh, now's not my time. 
This is after that moment, and this story we're about to read is Jesus publicly declaring, now is my time. This is where his ministry for three years kicks off, and the fulfillment of the prophecy of what he's doing is going to take place. So Mark chapter 1, verse 21, and they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, and not as the scribes. I'm glad that Jesus has authority in the world, and he still does today. In verse 23, immediately there in the synagogue, or other translations say there in the temple, was a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, as they should be, so that they questioned among themselves, saying this, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. You still with me? Good, because that's just the first third. We're going to fast track a couple of years. Mark chapter 9, verse 25 in this story, what's taken place is a man has brought his son who suffers medical fits and convulsions and different things and is mute and is deaf. And, um, and they've brought them before Jesus. The disciples have already tried to command out these spirits that are oppressing this young man. See, sometimes health-related things can be our flesh. Sometimes it can be condition of the fallen world. And sometimes it can be a demonic force coming against us. Um, we'll talk about discernment later. But they've brought the boy before Jesus. And it says, And when Jesus saw a crowd, in verse 25, they came running together. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out. The boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but by prayer. Mark chapter 16. I love that we're people who love the Word of God, so I can share these big passages of Scripture here. Mark chapter 16, verse 14. What we've seen here is Jesus has been crucified on the cross. He, he, he's lived that life that we couldn't live. He's died the death that we all should die. And then he's rose again, victorious over that. The disciples have scattered. They haven't been known. He's been put in the tomb, um, but the, the tombstone was rolled away. We talked about this at Easter and then uh, Jesus has started appearing to different people. First, the, the women who came to the tomb, some other people who came, and they found the empty tomb. And then it says this in Mark chapter 16, verse 14. Afterwards, he appeared to the 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Now, sometimes we can read that, that Jesus was like rebuking and getting angry. Sometimes I think we've got to remember that Jesus was a joyful guy. He was a happy guy. He, he probably had a smile on his face, guys. It wasn't like, hey, guys, you guys are so naughty and so bad. It was like, guys, come on. We're better than this. It was a call up. It wasn't a call out, in my opinion. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, which we all have, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. 
Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in, in my name, so in the name of Jesus, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands and they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. And they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Powerful three passages of scripture, right? Kind of paints a picture of Jesus's ministry. Of course, he did so much, many more. This is something that's been bringing me as a location pastor for the last six to nine months. And we're gonna do a series later this year on this same topic, power over principalities and um, authority over the kingdom of darkness, because it's not something that can be preached in one sermon. We all carry our traditions, we all carry our experiences, we all carry different things and bring different things to the table in this. So for me to think that in one sermon, in one preach, I could hit everything, that's not going to happen. But I'm believing through this, I didn't want to wait, and I felt the Holy Spirit didn't want me to wait till later in the year because there is oppression, and and uh, the enemy has put stuff on people in this room today and on our city that can't wait, and he actually wants freedom for you today. And then it's a process of walking out the freedom. Mark chapter 1, we see Jesus, like I said, stepping into his uh, ministry here. And it says that the two things that I note about this scripture, that he's, he's in the temple. See, Jesus was in the temple teaching and an unclean spirit manifested. Sometimes we can think because we're in church, because we're in the temple, because we're in this word, because we're full of the spirit, that the, the devil can't attack and come against us. And I believe for those who follow Christ here today, we cannot be possessed or occupied by the devil, but he can agitate us. He can poke and prod us. The enemy hates the fact that you're here today. The enemy hates the fact that you came to church today, even if you came in dragging your feet, even if you came just for the coffee today, even if you came in and you've got your grumps on, or even if you just arrived and you're falling asleep during the sermon, but you're going to gather. The enemy hates that. He doesn't want the people of God, all people, to gather together to worship God, the one that Satan rebelled against, tried to take over and fell from. So, of course, he doesn't like the fact you're gathered here today. Um, and, and what is he going to do? He's going to do everything he can to agitate you, to keep you in bondage, to bring shame and condemnation on you. Here's what I want you to know today. If you're a follower of Christ, if you've placed faith in him, that enemy doesn't occupy, occupy you anymore. But he can agitate you. The picture I got as I was praying late last night and into this morning for today was that there's some of us here today and where it's like you're on the edge. I don't know if you ever went cliff jumping in the lakes or anything like that. Um, I grew up near the ocean. We did a lot of cliff jumping. And, and it'd get to this point where all the kids would be trying to out challenge each other and get higher and higher. And you get to a point where, like, if you were there by yourself, there's no way you would jump. No way at all. But when you have a bunch of other kids there poking and prodding you, out, prodding you, you end up jumping in. And it's like you're at the edge of a cliff. This is how you feel. Um, someone here today, and you don't want to jump because you know it's going to be hard to get back up. This is kind of the last line that you know if you take that step and you jump off, and I'm not saying into jump off into faith and into a good thing, into an area of darkness, that it's going to be hard for you to get up. And what the enemy has done is he's got a big stick and he's poking and prodding you closer and closer to the edge. 
and you feel like you're right on the edge. You don't want to jump, but you feel the pressure and the push of the enemy against you. He's saying, jump, do it. Why does it matter? You've messed up before. This will just be another time. You've relapsed before. You've clicked that button before. You've gotten angry before. Just do it again. It's not going to matter. But what I believe God wants you to do today is to turn around and face that enemy down and grab that stick and just beat the heck out of him and send him back to the pit of hell where he's from because Jesus has and wants and is continuing to save and sanctify you and set you free. But it takes us taking a stand against the enemy. So in the temple, we can still be attacked by unclean spirits. That's confronting for many of us because that's not a traditional teaching in the church. We don't like to think of that. Again, we're going to end today with hope because freedom has come. But just because you're a Christian, just because you've been in church all your life, just because you've said the prayers, just because you're in your word, just because you speak in tongues, just because you do all those things, that doesn't mean that the enemy can't poke and prod and attack and annoy you. And it says that after this, his fame spread. So some people um, might wonder, well, Jesus was just a good guy and we should just follow his um, actions and teachings. Absolutely. But first, he wasn't known in the area for just being a good guy. It says his fame spread because he drove out an unclean spirit. There's something to this, guys. I remember the time here in, in East Village as in uh, Phil and Seb's coffee. So often what happens, Brittany and I, it's the greatest privilege we have to get to pastor this church and, and be the pastors here. We sometimes just pinch each other. Are we actually like, is this real? Are we just in a giant dream? It's an absolute privilege. One of the things y'all like to do to me sometimes though is, um, this doesn't happen that often, but when we get together for a coffee, you say, hey, I want to bring my friend and we get together, we have a great old time. One time, this is what happened though. Uh, James, a good guy who's not here anymore, he moved away. Um, some of you guys remember James actually just had a, had a little baby, which is amazing, uh, James and Kate. But anyway, um, James said, hey, I want you to meet my friend. We're going to go for coffee. I was like, awesome. I love it. This is my favorite thing to do, to get together with people. Turned up to Phil and Sebs. James introduced me to his friend and then said, okay, see ya. I'm going to work and walked away. And, I, and me and this guy are now standing there. And I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting this. But okay, James, thanks, man. Um, and so we got together and started chatting and talking and, and ordered our cappuccinos there and very clearly within the first few minutes I could tell that this man was very troubled very very troubled he would switch in and out of um, being able to look me in the eye and not look me in the eye he'd switch in and out of uh, being with it and other times not with it and I'm sitting there praying with this over a cappuccino with this guy that James had so nicely just left me with and the Holy Spirit impressed on my heart that he was in need of freedom from demonic activity. And this is where a lot of things changed for me. This was a, a guy who, who had told me he was a Christian, said he was grown up in the church, um, but had a very rough past. And because of things that had happened to him, the enemy had got a stronghold into his thoughts and mind and soul. And so I started going through this process of recollecting as we're talking, okay, what does the scriptures say about this? Holy Spirit, what are you directing me in this? And we started to just say a simple prayers together. And, and I said, hey, man, would you be open to just praying with me? And we started praying. And he was repeating the prayer after me of rededicating his life to, 
to Jesus. But as soon as we got to that word, Jesus, all of a sudden, his body shot up and he started convulsing and, and writhing around right there in Phil and Seb's. Said, okay, let's try that again. Went through the pretty kind of relaxed again. We went through some prayers. And then as soon as we came to saying the name of Jesus again, he started wrapping around. And it was almost like a snake-like kind of activity started happening in his body. Three or four times, any time we try to say the name of Jesus. Now, remember the setting and context I'm in. Yes, I'm a pastor and I've experienced the freedom of Christ. And I'm also aware we're in a cafe surrounded by people. But I couldn't get off this impression in my heart that God wanted to set this gentleman free. And so we broke through, we pushed through, and eventually he was able to get out the name of Jesus. And as soon as he got out the name of Jesus in this prayer, his body's relaxed, he came back with it, and he said he experienced freedom like he hasn't had in years. So don't tell me this stuff's not real. This is the power of the name of Jesus. And it can happen not because you and I are amazing and not because you and I have it together. I had no clue what I was doing in that setting. But because of who Jesus is and by his Holy Spirit, he utilizes people like you and I to set other people free in his name. That's the power of God. Mark 9, we see that it's not always as simple as that for a a demonic entity to come out. Sometimes it requires more to, to go deeper. Ephesians 6, we talked about this a little bit last week, says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So right there in the scripture, if we're a follower of Christ who doesn't believe this stuff happens today, then then what is Paul talking about if we're not wrestling against flesh and blood? We're just wrestling against ideas? Okay, well, you can go that way if you want. That's not what the Word of God shows me. But it says wrestle. I, uh, I have two kids, two sons, a two-year-old and a five-year-old who love to wrestle. They love to wrestle. Um, every day we wrestle at the, at the end of the day. It's kind of like, like one day I'm just wanting to come home and just come in and be peaceful and just have my sons come up to me and just say, I love you, Daddy. Here, have a nice cup of water that I've given you and some food. And normally I come in the door and it's like, wrestle time i get punched in the stomach or sometimes a little bit lower uh i get jumped on and knees to the face it's my greatest thing and after a bit of a wrestle time where we're breathing a little heavier we're a little bit sweatier and stinkier wrestling isn't easy it takes a wrestle i don't know if you've ever seen a a wrestling match a ufc fight it's not an easy process the word of god tells us that we are in a wrestle not against flesh and blood against authorities, principalities, and rulers of this dark age. Sometimes we can think, as followers of Christ, that everything's meant to be easy, and once we say the prayer and accept Jesus, that we're not going to be in a wrestle anymore. That's not what the Bible says. Paul is not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers. Every letter in the New Testament is written to a local church. Most of them were the size of this church. Some of them were smaller. Some of them went to multiple churches. He's talking to believers. So when he says, hey, you're in a wrestle, it means we're in a wrestle at times. Jesus shows us in Mark 9 that it's through prayer and fasting that this uh, the de- particular demon in that boy or unclean spirit comes out. Uh, there's sometimes there's a process to our deliverance. Sometimes there's a process to deliverance around us. Now, again, let's remember that as Christians, there's nothing the enemy can occupy in us where he has control in any, I want to make that clear, the enemy can't control you. 
A demonic entity can't control you. If you've placed your faith in Christ, it's not the enemy made me do it. It's not the devil made me do it. No, you clicked that button. No, you got angry. No, I messed up this way. I did that sin. At the end of the day, we have control of being able to make that choice between sin and not sin. But what they can do is infuriate and antagonize and get on our thought life and break us down to a point where we then are weakened to make that decision. But we can never use that excuse, the devil made me do it. The enemy made me do it. One day there was a gentleman walking past a church, a big cathedral, and he found the devil. Satan was out the front of the church and he was on the steps just crying his eyes out, just sobbing. (laughs) And the guy said to the devil, like, what's going on? Like, why are you crying so much? He's like... They blame me for everything in there. That was a joke, guys. Line up. Jeez. But sometimes we can so blame the devil for everything when God has given us the authority and God has given us dominion. And right there in the book of Genesis, we see, hey, Adam and Eve, and now go and you have responsibility over the world. You have responsibility over your lives. At the end of the day, the enemy can't make you do anything, but he is trying to put you in a situation, in a context to break your thoughts down, break your mind where you make bad decisions and he gets a stronghold. So remember that the enemy can't make us do anything. We're in a wrestle. One time, uh, Brittany and I uh, were going through the process, and and in our lives, I I feel like I have to keep giving some context of things because it's important to know that something that can happen for us could be related to spiritual principalities, and to someone else, that might not be the case. Does that make sense? It could be. So sometimes we get sick because we're tired and exhausted, and we catch uh, the bug that's going around in the context of a fallen world. And for someone else, sickness might be brought on by the enemy. Sometimes we, um, Sam didn't like that one. She's coughing up her water there. <laughs> I'm messing with your mind too much. The, sometimes um, an anger issue is best addressed by someone going through a process of renewing their mind and, and meditating on the word and going to counseling and working things out. And other times it's a demonic force that brings a rage upon you. So this is where discernment needs to come in. So for us, Brittany and I were going through some things in our lives of wanting to start a family, wanting to have kids, um, but it wasn't happening how we thought it would happen over months and months and years. And then we got to a point where it was recommended to us that we went through some reversal of generational curse things related to this, but also just other things in our life. In our family line, we, um, you know, I'm a, an Australian, so uh, as people like to remind me, I'm from the land of convicts and prison people. Um, my great, great, great grandpa was a 14-year-old boy who got taken away from London. Uh, he was living on the streets. He was stealing bread to feed his family. So I give him a pass on that one, but he ended up getting sent to Australia. But there's some occult things in our line. And the Bible talks about generational curses. Now, again, I'm covering a lot of topics today. We're going to look at this more next year. Um, And so what we did when we were recommended, hey, have you renounced some of the things off your generational line? We said, we prayed about it. We talked about it and we felt at peace about, well, let's give it a try. Let's give it a go. So we sat down with this beautiful elderly couple who helped walk us through um, a process of breaking off generational curses over our life. And, and to be honest, we weren't feeling much during that process, really. A, a part of that was to do with Freemasonry and renouncing the lines because, um, see, we think that we live in a, a very black and white world, but we live in a complicated spiritual world where stuff is put on it and people can accidentally actually impact their generational line by things that they participate in. Now, again, Jesus has won the victory, 
But we need to align with that and reverse the lie and believe the truth that the victory has been won in our lives. So we're going through this process of renouncing um, different areas of our life and nothing is happening. But we got to one part of that where we were repeating a line and, and all of a sudden the atmosphere changed in the room. And for Brittany, it became a bit more of a choking, coughing experience and she couldn't get the words out and she got quite emotional in that. And that's when we got there and go, okay, interesting. This is something. So then we moved on and we broke that off and um, went into new levels of, of freedom, kept going through, no other issues during that. But, but then we went on to be able to um, have children shortly after that. Now, what am I saying? That every time that is the case, that that's demonic? No, I'm not. Because sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's a very natural thing. Sometimes it's just the way it is of living in the context of a fallen world. For us during that day, we believe something broke and power happened. Maybe there's something in your life you see generationally that has affected your father and your, or your mother and their parents and their parents. And we can put it down to, well, that's just genetics. That's just a patent behavior. That's just something learned. Or could it be that there has been a stronghold in your generational line and you get the privilege of reversing and breaking that authority off the future generations? It's gone quiet in here. I knew it would go quiet in here talking about this topic. I'm okay with that. It was a wrestle for Brittany and I through that process. I'm sharing lots of stories today because I, I want us to know that maybe there's no black and white thing about this. I want to get us thinking because recently I've been studying, like I said, for this series I'm going to do down the track. And um, some of the guys who specialize in deliverance ministry would say this, that 80% that of getting delivered from spiritual principalities and demonic forces in our life is being aware that they're there. Just being aware that they're there. Now, 72% of statistics are made up on the spot, but I think you get the point that a huge part, and really one of the only tools the enemy has is lies and deception in our life. And as soon as we become aware that what we're facing might not be just the flesh, it might not just be miscommunication in our marriage, it might not just be that we can sit up all night and watch Netflix for four hours, but as soon as we read our Bible, we start to fall asleep or tune out, or that we can go to a concert, or we can go to anywhere around this city and be fine for hours, but as soon as we step into church, we get triggered, infuriated, agitated, and we want to get out of it, that maybe that's just not a natural thing, that's a supernatural thing. And the enemy's trying to stop you from being in the place you're all meant to be. It's a wrestle. Sometimes the wrestle doesn't work out in our natural. I don't know about you. We, I want to live a Christ-like life and live that out, but I'm also not Jesus. Don't know if you guys knew that. You're not Jesus. We're going to remove the pressure off a little bit. We're becoming more like Christ. We can, he actually says we can do things that he did and greater. I'm not at the greater yet, but that's the journey of the Christian life. But one time at Fort Calgary, maybe you remember, we were meeting for night services and, and a, a gentleman came into our church and we are a church where everybody's welcome as long as they're not distracting and hurting and hindering other people, um, then everyone's welcome. But I'm very conscientious for us and, and Brittany is the leadership team about the safety of our people and our kids, ministry particularly. And at Fort Calgary, it wasn't quite as secure. This was the Wild West days where we were just doing whatever. God, you've called us to plant a church. Okay, let's do it. Let's rent this place. And figure it out. This guy came in. And so straight away, I, I, I knew there was something a little bit off on him. There was a dark presence around him, but he behaved himself pretty well. Pastor Tim Sawatsky, many of you guys would know from the West location, were with us as well. And this guy was in, in the church, but he was 
making some interesting movements during the church. He was saying some interesting comments. He was, noises were coming out of him that weren't exactly natural during the process. We got through the service and the end of the service, he, he came up and we were chatting to him and we offered to pray with him. And, and he said, well, who are you going to be praying to and through, and I said, well, if you didn't hear my message just then, Jesus is the only way. It's Jesus that we're praying through. And, and he said, well, I want to say a, a prayer for you in this name. And he, he tried to use some kind of name that I didn't understand. I said, hey, man, I'm Australian. Um, English is hard enough for me as it is, let alone this other creepy language you're, you're praying in. But we'll pray in the name of Jesus. We're not going to accept your prayers. Well, as we started to pray in the name of Jesus over his life, he started to manifest and get quite aggressive and violent and angry. And we were in a wrestling match of myself and Tim and the church going on around us and kids being around and praying to someone who was having a demonic manifestation. Now, that one didn't result in deliverance. What it resulted in was the guy broke away and we knew that something hadn't happened. We monitored him and then he started to go towards some of the children. So I asked him to leave the church. And that's when he got really aggressive and violent. And, uh, and I think the word spirit was something like, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to find you and cut your head off in front of your children. And that was the moment where we realized that, um, okay, this guy doesn't actually want freedom and deliverance today, so we had to escort him out of the building. What is my point? We're in a wrestle. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, rules, and authorities in our life. And it's real. And your experience might tell you that it's not. Your science background might tell you that it's not. Your your view of theology might tell you, no, that's okay, you're, you're welcome in this, in this place, but, but I know that it's real and that God has freedom for us. i got to get going here. Mark 16, we're faced with this question or this declaration by Jesus. He says, and these signs and wonders will follow those who believe. You will drive out demons. Speak in tongues, heal the sick. So the question today, as I know that some of us are still thinking and pondering this, is if you're a follower of Jesus today, who is he talking to and what is he talking about? I hear some people say, well, it's just I follow Jesus, but I don't know about all that demons and supernatural stuff and things that go on. But I just want to follow Jesus. Well, well, then you're faced with a dilemma because what did Jesus believe about demonic activity? What did he believe about the authority? that we have over it. Maybe it's like, yeah, that was for that time, but things have ceased to be in this. Well, we see through the early church in the book of Acts that they would go and where they would go, they would drive out unclean spirits. But then through church history, we see that that is something that the church continues to do, the people of Christ. Who was he talking about? And what was he talking about doing? Again, the two extremes on this side, that I've found pastoring in the last seven years, being in church leadership over the last 15 years. Big bad demon around every single rock, don't go outside because he's going to get you. Oh, you sneezed, attack of the enemy, false. And just as dangerous on the other extreme is that there is no such thing as unclean spirits, demonic activity, and principalities, rules, and authorities on the earth. Two extremes are false. Even a truth of the Word of God that is overemphasized and gone to the extreme becomes a falsehood. We need to get our theology right. I hope in the passages of Scripture today, you can see that Jesus's ministry was marked by driving out demonic activity. 
Who is he talking to? Those who believe. Is there anyone who believes today the gospel? That's you and I. Those who believe will drive out demons. So, I mean, wowzers, I got to get going here with the time. Brittany's saying, yes, you do. I just saw that nod. We don't know fully in Scripture exactly how demons came to be in unclean spirits. Many would say that in Genesis 6, uh, that with the fallen angels who, who came down and interbred with, um, with God's daughters, the descendants were the Nephilim and then the spirits that were captive in them on the earth. Some would say fallen angels. Some would say when the Scripture talks about demons that that happened pre-creation. The Bible doesn't make it 100% clear when it happens, but it does make it clear that they are real and they are around. But this is, the, this is the real, this is the good part about it. This is the part that I want you to remember. If you forget everything else, this is the part. The Bible makes even more clear that they are defeated in the name of Jesus, that Jesus has won the victory. And so none of us need to be held back by demonic or unclean spirits anymore. If we're willing to step into that, if we're willing to reverse the lies of the enemy, step into the truth of the Word of God, align with Him, agree with Him, wrestle until we get the freedom and allow Him to set us free. Colossians 2 verse 14 says this about Jesus. Having canceled the charge of our legal debt, which stood against us and condemned us, He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed, having disarmed, past tense, it is done. He has disarmed the powers and authorities. Who is He talking about? The local MLA? No. Was he talking about the prime minister? No. He's talking about spiritual powers and authorities, but they have been disarmed and he made a public spectacle out of them, triumphing over them by the cross. But like any truth in the Word of God, it needs to be applied, work out, worked out, refined in our life to see the application manifest. That's what I believe God's wanting us to do as a community to tweak our thinking, to tweak our actions, to align with the fact that God has given us victory over every demonic oppression and to walk in that. I'm coming to my close here. If I can have the worship team come back up, please. And so who was to do it? Us. Mark 16, verse 17. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. Luke 10, verse 19, Jesus says, Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Luke 10, verse 17, it says, The 72 returned. Who were the 72? These were the no-names. See, because we can think in our mind, well, okay, that was easy for the apostle Peter and for John to do these things. That was the, the 12 or the, or the 11 who were walking with Jesus. But he actually talks about the 72. The 72 who we don't know their names, who were sent out by Jesus two by two to preach the gospel, to work out, guess what? We're the 72. And it says, they returned with joy and said this, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. They didn't come back and just only say, God, we were able to heal the sick. Wasn't it amazing? They didn't come back and say, God, we were able to serve the poor. God, we're able to, to preach with authority. All these things are amazing things. But what they were amazed and stoked and came back and were just over the moon about to Jesus was that the demons submitted to them in the name of Jesus. Me and you are the 72. Man, I got way too many notes here, so I'm going to skip through it. It's very interesting to me that in the Old Testament, we don't 
see any demons cast out that I can pick up on. What we see is, we see David play his harp and soothe it. We see a lot of activity and some would say the entire Old Testament is a, is a cosmic war um, that's taking place. We look at it and we only see an earthly war and we wonder, well, why did God go in and wipe out these tribes and things? But it was so connected to Genesis 6 and the, and the seed and the bloodline and cosmic war that was taking place. And Jesus came to reverse all that. But it's very interesting. We see demonic activity. We see um, unclean spirits. We see them soothed or dealt with, but we don't see the people of God casting them out until we get to the New Testament because that's the new covenant that we get to step into. That's what we live in. Okay, to summarize here in three minutes and then a moment of prayer and worship. Here's the thing. Not everything bad's a demon. That's what I want you to take away today. Sometimes bad stuff just happens. The fall... People wonder, why does God cause suffering in the world? God doesn't cause it, the fall, the context of the fallen world. We are between the Garden of Eden, where it was perfect, the fall, and then Revelations chapter 20 or 19, where it says every tear will be wiped away and everything will be made perfect and there's a new heaven and a new earth. And we have been born in between that process, the battle between walking towards the perfect perfection that God had and the restoration, but having left the garden. And we're on that journey to back to it. That's why bad things happen. So sometimes we're sick because we're sick. Sometimes things don't work out because that's how life is. And other times there's an enemy forcing his lies onto you that are cornering you and putting you on that ledge that have created a scenario where you feel like you can't get freedom. But there's freedom here today. And this is where discernment needs to kick in. In 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And one of them is discernment over unclean spirits. So again, right there we see, if that stuff's not for today, then why would God give us the gift of being able to discern spirits? One of the hardest things in deliverance is discerning, is it my flesh or is it supernatural? I was told you the story, let me just go over it again here. Of um, I was here, probably it was a Wednesday, and I was sermon prepping, and I was in my office, and all of a sudden it felt like, a, I didn't see it, I'm not saying that, it felt like a black cloud came into the room. And for you guys who know me, I'm pretty optimistic, pretty full of faith, pretty confident. And all of a sudden, hopelessness came upon me. Despair came upon me. Oppression came upon me. And, and I'm there, I'm like, Lord, I'm trying to pray it off. I'm trying to pray, I'm trying to speak it. I'm trying to um, keep myself busy to try and distract myself from it and giving the floor an extra mop in here, whatever it was. And it took me a while. And then I said, Lord, what is going on? Why? Am I like this? I'm blessed. I have good life and a great church and here in Calgary and, and I love my life, but why can't I kick this? And the Lord said, that's not from me. Drive it out. That's what I felt. That's not from me. Drive it out. So I went through a process of repenting for, for accepting that, releasing that to the Lord, and allowing His Holy Spirit to fill up. And guess what? It took effort. It took time. It wasn't in a moment. It took a rest or it took minutes. But all of a sudden, when I was willing to step out and fight and say, no, this isn't from God. This is from the enemy. This isn't from the Holy Spirit. This is demonic. I drive you out in the name of Jesus. I'm not going to let you be in me. I'm not going to let you be in this temple. I'm not going to let you be in this place. It got to a point where it broke and freedom came. Some of us have to put our hand to the weapon and start fighting the fight to get our freedom, to get our deliverance. 
And the first Timothy 4, uh, sorry, James 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourself therefore to God and resist the devil. And guess what? He will flee from you. Submit, resist, and he'll flee. Church, if you're finding yourself oppressed by something, agitated, infuriated, prodded, poked by the enemy, don't agree that he has power in your life. Submit to God, resist the enemy, and he will flee. That's a promise of the Word of God. Does that mean it happens like that? Uh -uh. Does that mean it's not a work? It's a work sometimes. Jesus' love is unconditional, but stepping into the freedom and the promises and the gifts that He has for you and I takes effort and intentionality and a killing of the flesh and a surrender to God and a submission to God, a resistance of the enemy, and He will flee. So keep fighting for your deliverance. We'll walk through later this year these things of how do we do that? Well, we have to first recognize that there's a spiritual battle. Repent, renounce, release that oppression, resist the enemy, replace that with the Holy Spirit, renew our mind and our muscle memory that we have in our body and then remain in Him. But today in this few minutes, without that process, I believe the Holy Spirit is highlighting some things in our world. So can we please close out? Can we please stand in this place? heavy topic today, hey? But I hope we leave encouraged that Christ has won every victory. And I hope we leave freedom. Church, we're going to step into a place where we're going to see the presence of God in this place that demonic activity may start to manifest because when God's people gather together in faith and, and in worship, demons hate that. And it might trigger stuff in some of us. And it might trigger things in ourselves. See, that unclean spirit that manifested in Jesus, first it was in the temple. Let's not kid ourselves to think that we're not being attacked, even if we're in the temple. And even if we know that we're the temple. So would you close your eyes in this place today and we're gonna allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer. Then we're gonna go into a time of worship and I'm gonna be available to pray with anybody. Remember, you may not have done anything wrong, have a spiritual attack against you. Actually, it might be because you're doing stuff right that the enemy is triggered by you. And that's why you're under attack so much. But I want to stand with people today and pray and just believe the Word of God that says when we submit to God, resist the enemy that he will flee. So I'm going to be standing up here as we worship. If that's you, if you want to be free today and delivered and I can stand with you and pray and believe that Jesus is doing, doing what he's doing and done what he's done in your world, I want to do that. And I want you to come forward during worship. So Holy Spirit, in this place, as we take a moment at the end of service here, Lord, would you minister to us, Lord? Holy Spirit, would you raise up in us and rise up in us? Would you help us discern what's our flesh and the areas of our life where we just need to submit, where we just need to um, put in good disciplines, where we need to get to bed earlier, where we need to put a blocker on our phone or where we need to stop connecting with that person who's toxic or God, would you help us discern that and the spiritual activity and what the enemy is bringing against us? And Lord, would you help us recognize that we don't need to fear the enemy because you've won the victory? And Lord, for those who are in a spiritual battle today, 
I pray your Holy Spirit would remind them that the battle is won in the name of Jesus. And now it's just the process of stepping into that freedom that you've won for us. Holy Spirit, would you guide us where we need to repent, renounce and release? Lord, would you help us submit to you? And God, I pray the freedom that's promised in your word of God would be manifest in our lives. Devil, we speak to you right now in the mighty name of Jesus and pray you have no place in these people today. That each one of these is precious and bought by the price, the blood of Jesus, the precious price, and you have no legal right no more. So enemy, get out in the name of Jesus. We drive you out of the temples. We drive you out of the people. We drive, we break any stronghold. We break anything that's holding the freedom that Christ brought back. And enemy, we speak to you and say, get out in the name of Jesus. You have no place on your people, on, on the God's people anymore. And we renounce you, we renounce partnering with you, and we reverse the lies that you say you have power. And we believe the Word of God that says that Christ made a spectacle out of you. Get back to your place. You're a laughingstock enemy, and you have no place in your people. So would you guide us, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, I'm available for prayer. And if that's you, you want someone to stand with you, you want to be released today from a spiritual warfare, and you, you come down right now, and I can pray for you. Come on, don't hold back. Don't let pride, don't let logic, don't let thoughts stop you from coming and getting prayer delivered in this area. And the rest of us, we're going to worship. We're going to continue to praise leaders team. But come on down. Come on down the front if you're in a spiritual battle. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, subscribe to our podcast and find us on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you would like to give to our church, go to myc3church.ca. See you next week.